Welcome back to the Halloween episode of the Hockey Collective Show. You can see us all here in our Ducks jerseys because Ducks fly together. We had to dress up. Tyler, Mac, how are we doing, gentlemen? Doing good, great, man. Good. Doing great. Awesome. Tyler, What? Uh, who's on your jersey over there? Oh, you know, Charlie Conway, the man, the legend. And, like, I'm wearing the Pit Vipers just to, like, make it a 2022 version of Charlie Conway. I feel like he would have worn the Vipers uh, if he was around nowadays. Yeah, probably, probably Mac. You too. I see the C. Yeah, gotta rock the Conway. I'd rather the bags, but Conway came up first. Yeah. Ties over there looking like Keith Yans right now. I got, uh, <laughs> I got Conway here as well. I think we can all agree though that Banks is a far better player, right? Yeah, I guess, but oh, like, yeah, hundred percent, hundred. He didn't, he yeah. didn't have finish at times. Like he was pretty good. He played with that injury, but that's Matthews to Tavares comparison right there. It's not <laughs> even close. True. So I played varsity. Not uh, junior. Yeah, make him make the first move, Conway. Mac, what's uh, what's your favorite Mighty Ducks quote? You got one? Yeah, if uh, it's not worth winning, if you can't win big, Coach O'Reilly. Coach O'Reilly. Go. Coach O'Reilly, that's a good one. Ty, do you have one that sticks out? I just like Cake Eater. Like, we used it all the time after the movie came out. So, uh, Cake Eater was a big one. Big chirp for us on the ice. That was a big one. That was a big one. I think uh, mine's when Russ said, hey, Goldberg, I bet if that puck was a cheeseburger, you'd stop it. That's just uh, that, <laughs> that was true. Definitely, that definitely got used a lot back in the day. So um, shout out to Mighty Ducks, one of the best movie trilogies ever, not just in hockey or sports, but um, fellas, there's been a bunch of good hockey the last week or so here. Um, we're going to kind of dive right into things here. Started on a high note with our three stars of the week. Ty, maybe you want to start us off. Who uh, who stood out to you in this last calendar week? Yeah, this was a fun week of hockey, right? But I'm going with maybe a guy that hasn't done much offensively. But how about Josh Bailey for the New York Islanders, guys? 1,000th game, all with the Islanders. Third player in history to do it behind Denny Savard, or Denny Potvin, excuse me, and Brian Troche, two legends. We just had Troche in studio, actually, NHL Network Radio Series XM, which was pretty cool. Guy came in in a cowboy hat. He is a legend. Uh, but Josh Bailey scored in his thousandth game. You saw Anders Lee, Cal Clutterbuck, Brock Nelson before the game with his family. Just thought it was a cool moment. And honestly, like I would have never thought Josh Bailey would have played in a thousand games at this point. He's just kind of gone under the radar, done his thing, always an assist guy. So uh, I'm giving it to Josh Bailey. I like that. I like that. Mac, what, uh, what do you got for the last week here? Yeah, I'm going with uh, Kubalik with the Red Wings. Uh, Eiserman brought him in for some depth in case guys got injured. That's exactly what happened. Bertuzzi's out with an injury. Verana's in the player assistance program. He had two goals and four assists in the last four games. He stepped up, you know, very nicely in the last four games, and hopefully we can keep it going as he's moved up the lineup. I like that. I like that. I'm going to give mine to uh, good old EK65, Eric Carlson. He seems like he's back, fellas. He's got four goals, two assists in his last four games. And the biggest thing I've noticed, guys, is he's skating again. Last couple of years, just so many lingering injuries, right, all the way back to the Achilles, however many years ago. And um, it's good to see him skating, moving, shaking out there again. That guy, I mean, you guys remember, I don't have to tell you, he was one of the more electrifying defensemen that we've ever seen in the game. So it's awesome to see him back buzzing around out there. What a week it's been for him as well. I feel like he has a robotic Achilles now because the last couple yeah. of years, like, he hasn't done much. Like, obviously, as a defenseman, you're, you're skating a lot more, pivoting a lot, and he hasn't really been able to do that to what he used to in Ottawa. And you're right. He looks like a completely different player this year. It's just crazy. Nick, if his cap hit was way lower, he'd be a deadline acquisition for yeah. the team. 
uh, halfway through the year, but probably won't be. And it's just cool to see uh, EK65 back uh, at the top of his game. Yeah, did you see uh, Mike Greer said the other day, GM of the Sharks, that everybody's available other than Hurdle? Do we think Carlson's involved in that? Would they retain 40%, 50% to get him out the door for something? Could do a double retain, too. Just like there's talks of Kane and Taves sort of doing the same thing with Chicago come deadline because that's it's super cheap to do once deadline and uh, that kind of stuff comes along. Yeah, yeah there, there'd have to be a pretty good piece coming back. Like if you're going to retain that much of his salary for a long time, a big piece better be coming back to the San Jose Sharks that they can use as a part of this rebuild. But I don't know. I just I just can't see it happening. It almost seems like an immovable contract to me. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. But fellas, let's dive right into the weekly rundown here. And we're going to kick things off with a team who's got another little bit overpaid offensive sweetest defenseman in Oliver Ekman Larson. That would be the Vancouver Canucks. Last week when we were here, we were talking to Nick Alberga. The Vancouver Canucks did not have a win. We were wondering if Boudreaux was going to get fired. They rallied, fellas. They rallied. They got two wins. They're back in the swing of things here. Put up a bunch of goals on the Penguins. It was good to see. Bo Horvat was buzzing around. But, Ty, I mean, what have you seen from Vancouver lately? And I guess in your eyes, what should they do? Because I still don't know if I'm sold that problems are solved just like that. Yeah, they're not, and they're not solved from minor trades like the Jack Studnika trade or the Ethan Bear trade. Um, but those two wins back-to-back obviously help you. They give you confidence as a team. And, man, like JT Miller, for example, in that first victory, like he fights to start the game. There was two fights that the Canucks had to start that game. Tanner Pearson even dropped the mitts. And all of a sudden, they're trying to rally the boys up, which I loved, and then he blocks the shot to kind of wrap up that first victory. And then Spencer Martin comes in on a back-to-back against a really tough team, gets another win. So I think for me, uh, Mac, it should be status quo for now. I think Boudreaux's safe. I can't see uh, Francesco Aquilini and the rest of the guys that run the Canucks wanting to pay three coaches. They're still playing green. They're not going to can Boudreaux and pay him and pay the new coach. I just can't see that happening. So I think they just got to stay the course here. Things will start to kind of roll into their favor. And in the Pacific Division, I think it's wide open right now. And I think they can just keep winning some hockey games. And Thatcher Demko will get back to the Demko we saw of last year. For sure. He's he's been rough to start. And that's kind of the, the way it's been in the first few games. And, you know, the teams have came back against them. And um, their defense, along with Demko's shaky plays, kind of played into that. I don't think we have to worry too much yet because, like you said, Demko's going to get back to his elite goaltending status here. Uh, and, you know, sometimes all it takes is one win to break the bubble and to get them back on track. Um, I think I think they have the talent up front, especially to do it, and the goaltending to get back into the playoff spot. And when you look at the standings, they're four points out with a game in hand on the on the first or second wild card spot there. So uh, it's early. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is early. I think, like you said, the forwards there are impressive. It's the defense that's got me worried, right? Um, like you said, Ty, they brought in Ethan Bear. That's a good addition. I like taking a flyer on that at, at, with a fifth rounder. Don't think he's going to solve any world-beating problems there in Vancouver, but I like the move. It kind of gives a little bit of a shakeup. One thing I wanted to touch on was Niels Hoglander sent down last week. I know they said it's a paper transaction. I don't buy that. He missed, like, I just don't think that makes sense. Uh, And then he's in all of a sudden the trade rumors for Ethan Bear. Carolina's calling on him. I'm going to make a PSA that if Carolina is calling you on one of your players, do not trade him. That means he's good. If Carolina, Colorado, we might even throw Tampa in there. If they're calling on a young player like Niels Hoglander, when you make a weird move of putting him on a paper transaction down to the minors, do not move him. Hold on to him. 
Vancouver, you need Niels Hoglander to get going and figure it out along with the rest of the team. So uh, I'm honestly just curious to see what they do. I had them in the playoffs. I believe you guys kind of had them in that hunt to get there as well. So overall, I think Vancouver's got a chance. A slow start's never what you want to have, but a little bit of buy-in, a little bit of push from Bo and the rest of the leadership there. I think Vancouver can still make a run this year. They can, and Thatcher Demko is not going to be bad for the entire season. Um, and, and the big players, they're going to show up like JT Miller, Bo Horvat, Elias Pedersen. They're all going to show up at some point. We almost all kind of get the blinders on and think, oh man, this team is dead in the water, but no, it's like seven, 10 games in teams will be fine. Andre Kuzmenko started to pick it up as well. There's a guy that kind of needs to do that, especially after coming over from the KHL and a lot of high expectations surrounded that player. And in regards to Hoglander, Nick, I like this player last year, but it just doesn't seem like he vibes with the coach, unfortunately, and Bruce Boudreaux. So he's got to get going. If you're scoring, you're going to stay in the lineup. You're not going to get sent down to the American Hockey League, and you're going to play top six minutes, which we think Hoglander can. I feel like he's like the perfect third-line player on this Canucks team once they're rolling. But, Mac, uh, I've liked what I've seen, especially in those back-to-back wins, and I think I'm, I'm pretty confident that the Canucks will figure it out. Yeah, I agree. And a, and a team that's kind of going the other way that we thought, and, and I thought anyway, that was going to miss the playoffs is the Bruins. I mean, they're eight and one right now. They have 4.2 goals per game. And, you know, they've only got 13th ranked power play. Marshawn's back. McAvoy is going to be back soon. I don't, I don't know, Nick. What do you think here? I mean, I, I don't know what to say other than impressed on the Bruins, right? Like, like you said, we thought it was going to be kind of their downturn year here. Injuries to start the year. Marshawn's already back. He's not playing the second half of back-to-backs, which is an interesting conversation there. We're kind of getting into the Kawhi Leonard load management, old school stuff there now in hockey. But um, you said you didn't have them in the playoffs. I had them in the wild card. I think that they're a good team. And the one thing that, you know, has kind of really been on my uh, mind when you hear all the Leafs talk in the media the last week or two here is that the Bruins just have a culture right like it's like the Patriots were for forever minus some of the championships obviously but the Bruins just have that attitude and pedigree that they're going to end up in the playoffs I'm still not confident that they're deep enough or honestly kind of well-rounded enough through their four lines to to make a really deep playoff push this year but they're going to end up in the playoff picture and they're showing it right now past is off to a crazy start I know Ty you were all over that before the season and um, I don't know other than impressed I don't have many words for the Bruins right now Ty what do you got? Yeah well when past is going the Bruins team is going like there's been stretches of hockey where when he's not scoring goals, it seems like they're not winning hockey games. And that's what's happening right now. He's scoring goals and they are winning hockey games. So it's good to see uh, Krejci leaving that game against the Detroit Red Wings after that hit and high stick from Michael Rasmussen is tough because Krejci has been absolutely killing it. So hopefully it's not too long-term for him. Jake DeBrus looks pretty good. Uh, Charlie Coyle, he's actually looked good to me watching Bruins games. He's been noticeable. So that's obviously a plus as well. And they've just got it done without Charlie McAvoy on the back end. I think that's the most impressive part, whether it's signing Anton Strawman and him coming into the lineup or Matt Grizzlick playing some more minutes or Connor Clifton playing minutes and actually putting up points. Mm-hmm. They are doing it with a complete team effort from the back end all the way up to their forwards. And we'll talk about it at Mac as we go into the season more and head towards the new year. But man, that David Pasternak contract is going to be a lot of money. It, it sure is, especially if he keeps this up. 
Um, you know, the whole Atlantic division right now is just rolling. I mean, at one point this week, I think before yesterday's games, every team was above 500, which is insane for a division, even this early on. Um, but one team in there is Tampa and they're, they're not looking like the Tampa of old right now, obviously looking back the last, you know, four or five years, it's tough to bet against them. Um, but do you think they're going to move up here? They're kind of in the middle of the pack right now in every stat they've won, won the last two, not too much to worry about, but still five and four is not, not anything great right now. Yeah, I don't think I'm worried at all. I think Tampa's allowed to have a slow start because we know over the course of the season they know how to win and they're going to get it done. So um, there seems to be a lot of kind of, oh, Tampa doesn't look like they used to on Twitter, and I'm just not buying into that. Like five and four in your first nine games, I could care less to quantify that as a bad start. They've won their last two. Maybe they're figuring it out. Tampa could reel off eight to ten wins at any given point of the season. I'm not ruling that out. They've got Vasilevsky between the pipes. I think anybody who has worries about Tampa hasn't watched the last three Stanley Cup finals or the route there. So uh, I think the Atlantic division stacked, like you said, and there's no reason to worry about Tampa. But Ty, have you seen anything else there with the Bolts? Well, Andre Vasilevsky has been, I guess, average. Like we haven't seen him steal those games as of yet. But like go back to Saturday night and the Bolts are going to be the Bolts. They're going to score last-minute goals and beat you, so you can't get a point in overtime or the shootout, and that's exactly what they did to the San Jose Sharks, man. Um, the play, Nikita Kucherov, to score that game winner was unbelievable, and Kuch and Stammer have been going. Obviously, Stamkos has been scoring most of their goals, but once, like, Ross Colton and Brandon Hagel and Nick Paul get going, kind of like we saw at the tail end of last year and into the postseason, which obviously led them to the Stanley Cup final, the Tampa Bay Lightning will be just fine. I think we can all agree. I think just on the outside looking in, we know at some point the Lightning are going to reel off like six wins in a row and they're going to look like the best team in the National Hockey League. So, yeah, I think we can all agree they're just fine. But uh, once the Lightning hit that stretch of like winning hockey games every single night, they're going to be really fun to watch. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, remember their, their third line shutdown guy, Sorelli's still out with an injury at the start yep. of the year too, right? Like once he's back, that's a huge addition to either your second line or third line, wherever you decide to put him. But yeah, that's that's gonna be big. Good yeah. point. And then whoever Breezebois or whoever uh, they pick up at the uh, the deadline too, they're gonna pick up a stud for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. more than likely, more than likely gonna happen. Another team that we have uh, penciled in going pretty deep in the East. There, Ty, you and I at least would be the Rangers. A uh, bit of a slow start for them. They lost four straight. They had a good showing against Dallas yesterday on Saturday. There, um, they've got Arizona next. Ty, what have you seen uh, in the Big Apple there so far? It's fun watching their power play. That's for sure. Whether it's like Zabanajad or Panarin distributing the puck or Fox or Kreider or whoever on that power play, they are fun to watch and scored a beauty on Saturday, scored a couple beauties, but the Rangers kind of like the lightning. I think they will be just fine. Igor Shesterkin has been okay. So far you can argue he's the best goaltender in the national hockey league and he hasn't really showed us yet, but the way that they can score goals is scary, especially on the man advantage. And it, it seems like early on, teams are just taking way too many penalties against them and giving them like four or five or six power play opportunities a game, which is a nightmare for the opposition. So uh, hopefully teams can start to figure that out. Um, also, guys, I have been led astray. Vitaly Kravtsov sucks, right? Like he sucks. He can't skate. He can't keep up on who, with whoever he's playing with, whether it's like Vincent Trocek or Artemi Panarin. Uh, he scratched again uh, later today. Today's Sunday's Ryan Reeves is coming into the lineup for him. So, uh, Mac, I was, I uh, think, way wrong on this player. Seeing all the highlights from the KHL last year got you excited, but uh, Kravtsov isn't what uh, we thought he would be. I think as the NHL gets faster and faster, these guys coming in from the KHL are just going to kind of weed out a little bit more and more each year. Um, obviously, a couple guys come over and, and had some success, like Panarin on the team, obviously. 
Um, but Rangers are a fast team right now and, and they're a fun team to watch. I don't think they're going to win the division. Like I said, at the beginning of the year, I'll say that to you guys all year, kind of ah, throw my chirps here and there, but uh, I, I still think they're going to turn it around or not turn it around, but continue to have success for sure. Yeah. And Ty, you touched on the forwards there as kind of the thing that's been exciting so far. And um, where I have the most faith, I think in the Rangers is their team defense overall. And the fact that it all funnels back to Shesterkin, right? Like, Anytime I watch a Rangers game and I see Fox out there with Lindgren and Truba out there with Keandre Miller, and then all of a sudden Zach Jones is playing big minutes out of nowhere and he's great. They've got Braden Schneider there too. Like their defense is really impressive. Their centers back check so well, and they, they just have a good system going there right now. So even though the wins aren't coming as much as we might've thought in the big apple there, I think it's only going to continue to uh, improve and they're going to be a force throughout the year. Um, keeping it in their division though, the Penguins got off to a, a really hot start, right? We didn't really see that coming, but they went 4-0-1 out the gates. Then they came up north here and they went 0-4 on their road trip. They only scored one goal in each of the last three games. The Penguins lost a little bit of that shine and magic tie. What's, uh, what's your take on Pittsburgh? It's funny. I was trying to figure it out yesterday. Like what's wrong with the Penguins? Is it just one of those stretches, especially after they were first place in the Metro to start, they hadn't lost in regulation and we thought they were going to be a cup team again, like five games into the season, but it's just the big boys not really able to get going. Jake Gensel's back in the lineup. He scored over the weekend. Crosby's still playing great, but they just haven't found a way to kind of get that chemistry going like they did within the first five games of the year. And put pucks in the back of the net, man. The save on uh, on Crosby by Barton Jones as well on Saturday was a thing of beauty. I thought Sid had that one for sure. Would have tied the game, maybe got the Penguins a point there. But, Mac, I don't think I'm worried about the Penguins. Uh, the, I guess the worrying thing for me is how many teams in the Metro Division are just playing great hockey right now. Like, if the Flyers are going to continue to play like this, like, who is going to be on the outside looking in if the Flyers all of a sudden are a wild card team or even just a playoff team within the top three of the division? So uh, you don't want to find yourself within the bottom three of the Metro uh, by the time we hit Christmas here. And I think the Penguins will make their way back up. Yeah, and something I mentioned when we were doing the team previews as well is when that Russ Gensel Crosby line isn't going, it's kind of it for the rest of the team. Not that they don't have that secondary scoring, but they kind of lead that rush and get the rest of the team momentum, right? Um and having Gensel at a lineup obviously hurts that chemistry. Um, but I think once he gets back and, and rolling, obviously he scored there yesterday. Um, yeah, I think he's going to be great. And the rest of the team as well. Yeah, keeping it uh, keeping it in the 2017 Cup Final here, the Predators, they haven't looked great either lately. I mean, Tyler, Nashville, we, we kind of thought they were going to have another good year. We questioned their scoring a little bit, but what have you seen from them so far? Yeah, the scoring is an issue. We were excited after their two wins overseas to start the year. All of a sudden, they come back onto North American soil, and they pretty much shit the bed in a lot of their games. It's it's a, a tough way to put it, but if you're a Predators fan, you can probably agree with that. And I think we all knew that last year wasn't going to happen this year, where Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne were absolutely killing it at almost every single night. Like, they're back to what we kind of expected them to be. Uh, at some point, maybe Duchesne picks it up. I don't know if I trust Ryan Johansson that much. Uh, Mikhail Granlin's just a playmaker there, so he'll do his thing. But it's the scoring, Mac, that worries me in Nashville. Who is going to do it? Like, you're not going to rely on Tanner Janot putting the puck in the net every night. Ellie Tolvanen's not going to do it. So they have to find someone to do that. And, and John Hines might have to mix up the lines in Nashville because I don't think these lines have been working. Uh, they're great defensively in front of UC Saros, but offensively, they, they haven't really found that punch like they did last year. 
Yeah, as much as they were playing the Sharks the first two games overseas, I think they've kind of got jet lag on the way back. I mean, they were 2-0 to start the year, obviously, against the Sharks, again, as I said. Um, but they looked really good in those two games, and, and they just haven't looked good since they got back. Um, Saros hasn't been bad, but he hasn't been as good as last year. Um, neither has Roman Yossi. He's kind of, I think he has four points on the year so far in 11 games. And compared to last year, obviously, that's a huge decrease for team success as well. Uh, I don't know, Nick, you're a, you're a big Yossi guy. How, how do you see him right now? Yeah, he's kind of just missing some puck luck, you know. Um, Yossi, I mean, he's always going to be a great skater. He's an underrated defender because of his wheels and, and how he can read the play. So I think he'll get going. To me, it's more like you guys said, the Duchesnes, the Johansons, some of that chemistry. That's what they're really going to need because uh, I'm not overly worried about Yossi or Soros for that matter. It's the scoring that I think Nashville's really going to have to worry about. They're 26th in goals per game. They're 28th in power play. It's just not good enough, and, and they're going to need more than that in the division there. Um, again, keeping it in their division there. Ty, we're going to start with you because the Avs are one of Mac's 10 favorite teams, but Colorado, bit of a cup hangover. What are we seeing there? A bit of a lack of depth, a bit of a lack of scoring. 4-4-1, four, four, and one, 19th in goals per game. That's something I never thought I'd say about the team out in Colorado. Yeah, it's a lack of everything, isn't it? Like their power play is great. Like the Rangers power play. It's so fun to watch when these guys are slinging the puck around and Miko Ranton and McKinnon and McCarr are putting up points, but even strength, they just really can't get a lot done. And it, it is a lack of depth. As you said, like look at their lineup the other night, like Mikhail Maltsev is in it. Martin Kaut is up from the American hockey league. He's in it. At least Evan Rodriguez is back and visible. He was invisible for the first few games. And now he's scoring some goals, which is nice to see if you're rocking number nine, you better be scoring goals. Um, and Alex Newhook finally scored. I know it was a garbage time goal. That meant nothing, but maybe that gets him going. But Mac, they just don't look like that Stanley cup team. I'm not going to say it's a Stanley cup hangover. I just think Landis Cog's also a huge guy to have in the lineup on your bench every single night, which he isn't for a while. Maybe that's playing into things, but, uh, and the 11 and seven thing, uh, like 11 and seven, sometimes they go, I know McDermott plays forward ND, but uh, that's not working for them when they do that. The Oilers do it. The devils do it. Um, but yeah, I think it's the lack of depth and, and just, yeah, they haven't been able to kind of find line chemistry with a lot of these new players. Yeah, uh, I mean, the depth that they had last year with Burakovsky on the third line at, at some points throughout the year was just ridiculous. I don't think they're going to get that back this year, obviously. Obviously not with those players, but even at the deadline. Um, they're not out shooting teams like they were last year. They're kinda, they've are kind of they got outshot by a few teams that I was surprised about recently. Um, and obviously the goaltending just isn't there the same as it was the last couple of years. Even like when the Grubauer was there, he was giving them good goaltending. Georgia or Korgiev hasn't been outstanding yet and he's kind of needed to be uh, in a few games this year and they just haven't got that yet yeah I don't think it's anything to write home about and be worried about in Colorado yet but uh, I mean before the year we were talking about who's their trade deadline acquisition going to be and all of a sudden maybe that's a December acquisition now maybe they need some of that depth sooner than later so going to be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, like you said, Tyler Landeskog's obviously a huge loss. I think that's an amazing captain. I think he'd be a perfect fit on almost every team in the NHL. So obviously that's a loss. Um, the only other thing I wanted to touch on there, on their power play success, I absolutely love that they use three defensemen on their second unit. 
Like, forget positions when it comes to power plays. Put your best players out there and let them do their thing. If you have Bo Byram, Samuel Gerrard, and Devin Tays, you put them on your second power play unit. Damn right, because you have the Norris Trophy winner on power play one. So, love what they're doing there. Hope we start to see other teams kind of use their best players instead of just relying on paper positions there. Uh, but Tyler, your favorite place in the world, Mullet Arena. It was uh, on the big screen the other night for the first time. What did you think of that performance? Yeah, if I could have picked up one of those mullets that they gave out, it would have been perfect with the, the pit vipers, the hat, the jersey. This would have been a, a perfect costume today. But uh, you know what? It was exciting to know that they were finally playing a home game at Mullet Arena. But I don't know. It didn't really translate when I was watching the game. Like, it didn't seem too loud. Uh, Christian Fisher scored a couple goals. The crowd looked like they were going nuts. You just couldn't hear it, I think, because there's so little people in that arena. So maybe they start to kind of figure things out. Maybe they jack some things up on the broadcast so it's a bit louder. Uh, but, Mac, it, it wasn't too exciting watching that hockey game. I wish they may have won in overtime instead of lost. Unfortunately, the Jets ended up pulling it out in OT. But uh, I need one of those mullets. If, if one of the listeners has one of those mullets down in the desert, send us one. Yeah, that was the highlight of the night for me. It was the mullet for sure. I, I, I don't have much to say. I didn't watch the full game. Uh, that visiting room right now is is a, is atrocious being set up on the other ice pad. Uh, it would be an interesting thing to see the, throughout the rest of the year, see if the crowd can bring some energy. I know they're set, are severing off 250, I think, tickets for the ASU students, which is pretty cool to see, but uh, hopefully they can bring that energy. Yeah, Ty, that was the one thing I was going to ask you is if we thought the crowd just wasn't mic'd properly since it seems like they're cheaping out on everything else because all the videos that I yep. saw from in the arena look like a great atmosphere. Like uh, it, it sounded loud. It looked loud. People were going crazy on the goals and, and it seemed like a fun spot to be from the videos in the arena there. Uh, I also didn't realize, fellas, that there's no actual seats. It's bleachers like we're watching each other playing peewee. So uh, just a weird setup. I'm going to be really curious to see how long before kind of the the glisten and the glow kind of rubs off of the arena there the hype that they're getting of it being a small new place if it's a month or two into the season and they stop getting fans because the shine is worn off like we're in trouble in the desert but uh moving from there but sticking in the division uh, yeah well sorry that just before we came on here they did uh i think their council or or the mayor or whatever passed through something to get the arena to the next stage. So there, there are working on uh, something for a new arena in, in Tempest, I believe. Is that the first ever pod breaking news? I don't know if it's breaking news, but uh, they, they need that thing in Tempest. Yeah. Like they need it as soon as possible. Yeah, they definitely do. Um, keeping it in the West though. Um, we touched on Carlson a little bit. What else have you guys seen from the sharks? He's really been the only highlight out there so far, right? Eh? Yeah, he has like I've thought guys like Timo Meyer and Thomas Hurdle have kind of been invisible at times, but like just turning on a Sharks game, we kind of touched on it a little before, but like watching number 65 out there it looks like the 65 we saw in Ottawa. It's so fun to watch Eric Carlson skate. Uh, it's not what it used to be. But man, he's scoring goals. He's what does he have? Two overtime winners already this early on in the season. Uh, he's kind of trying to live up to his contract because that is a heck of a lot of money to pay right now for a guy that's kind of been skating, maybe not even 90% to his capabilities because of the old Achilles injury. But uh, it's really the one bright spot for me, Mac, has been Eric Carlson on this team. I guess Reimer and Kakinen have been like, okay, much better than I expected. I thought their goaltending was going to be a complete disaster this season. So maybe that's also a positive man watching Eric Carlson this year. He, he was one of my favorite players when he was in Ottawa. So it's fun to see this. 
Yeah, I really don't have too much to say on the Sharks. They're they're Eric Carlson and they're missing a few guys that they've had the last few years, like Pavelski and Burns and and some death guys as well. Um, another team that is in California that's absolutely stunk this year and is kind of the front runner for Bedard is the Ducks. I don't know what's going on out there with all their young talent, but they're they're not doing much with it right now. And uh, Gibson's been bad, just like uh, I didn't have him on my list. Well, look, I mean, look who's playing in front of him, man. Look who's playing in front of him. Oh, my I God, they wanted, suck. I wanted so bad to be a little bit high on Anaheim going into the year. I think I had the sixth. I might have even said, hey, they could make a swing for fifth. But, man, oh, man, I hope they get Bedard or Fantilli or Mitchkov because – that would be fun with the young core they got, but watching them play, I mean, they play the Leafs tonight, so I'm sure they'll beat the Leafs, get their second win of the season, because that's what Toronto's all about. But, boys, they're just playing a bad brand of hockey. They can't score. They can't defend. They're 32nd in goals for. They're 31st in goals against. They're 31st in shots for. They're 32nd in shots against. Their PKs rank 29th. Their power plays rank 29th. They can't do a single damn thing right. We're talking about coaches on the hot seat. How about there in Anaheim? I mean, you bring in Klingberg and Klingberg, and now they're saying they might try and re-sign. Why? Why? Trade them. Get assets for them. Rebuild. Figure your shit out because it stinks. Yeah, I don't know if Dallas Aikens is really on the hot seat, but man, if it continues like this, like especially with their special teams, what it is, Nick, I didn't even know that. That is absolutely horrendous. And we were all excited for a lot of the young talent. Yeah. Jamie Drysdale was injured a couple games ago. Trevor Zegers has been exciting. You still notice him out there. And McTavish has been, I guess, okay. That kid's played a lot of hockey in, in the last few months. But yeah, the excitement level hasn't been there right now with the Ducks. You know who they need? They probably need Charlie Conway right now in the lineup. They need someone from the Mighty Ducks franchise to come in and inject a spark of energy or something. But yeah, it's been bad to watch. And just to Mac, to your point and John Gibson, man, like if you're putting, let's just say another good goaltender, another number one caliber goaltender in it, I'm not going to say, say Shesterkin or Vasilevsky because they're in a, uh, at a level of their own. But man, it doesn't even matter. Like the team defense is just so bad right now. I, I feel bad for Gibson on most nights. He's facing yeah, I, 35 plus a yeah. night. 35 exactly. plus. Yeah. Um, Terry, though, I will say Terry's over a point per game. So good for him. He's progressing. Don't know if he's going to want to stay in Anaheim if they keep doing this, but good to see a couple pieces doing decent there. Uh, I guess we're going to add one final team here to the rundown since we can't get away from them in the news. The Toronto Maple Leafs. Rocky Waters, Tyler. What have you seen in Leafland since you're uh, in the thick of it there in Toronto? Yeah, just the uninspired play from a lot of their top players, right? John Tavares leading the way offensively, which if I'm a Maple Leafs fan, I don't really want to see that. I want to see Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner lighting it up every single night. It hasn't happened yet. They're losing games against bad teams. The Coyotes, seriously, they lost against the Coyotes. The Sharks, seriously, this Maple Leafs team lost against the San Jose Sharks. Uh, they have not played inspired hockey as of yet. I don't know if it's Sheldon Keefe. I don't know if that's the problem or the solution is firing him and bringing in another guy. I don't know. You might just have to wait maybe until Thanksgiving time, early December, when we can finally evaluate them after 20 plus games and or 15 to 20 games and Mac just see how they're doing. But it's not really fun watching them like it was the last couple of years. It's tough too. I mean, I think Jay Fresh on Twitter just posted something that was uh, expected goals for per, or percentage of, of expected goals for. I think they're minus 7.9 right now. So they're getting, wow. they're not getting much finishing and, and they're kind of maybe getting a little bit unlucky. 
um, because it, it, their expected goals for percentage is still a little higher than it has been the last couple of years, which is good. The good side moving forward. Keith is a coach that is meant for this team and they need to start playing like that with this system. Yeah, I think that's well said, and I'd completely agree. There's a reason that he has one of, if not, I believe, the best uh, winning percentage as a Leafs coach in history because uh, this team is built for him, and they played like it the last couple of years during the regular season. They've been a great regular season team the last couple of years. They just aren't right now. And, I mean, one thing that I, I think it applies perfectly to this team that my buddy used to always say, you can't teach give a shit. You could teach a face-off play. You could teach D-zone coverage. You cannot teach give a shit. And right now, that's how this team is playing. They play like they do not care if they win or lose. And it's really bad when no matter what outlet you go online, you see the same quote about that from different people. It could be a Jets reporter. It could be a Coyotes or a Sharks reporter or a radio guy. Everybody says this team looks disinterested. And in the National Hockey League, that's just not an excuse. Tyler, if you don't show up full throttle to your beer league game on Sunday nights, you're going to hear about it. It's rightfully so that the Leafs should be hearing about the way that they're playing right now. Without a doubt, like they deserve all of this criticism because they're built to win and they haven't even won a playoff round with this core of young, talented players. It's been embarrassing for that franchise for sure. And it's a big test against these Ducks tonight, right? On a Sunday night. You're playing the Anaheim Ducks. You better get two points against this team. But uh, we've seen them kind of uh, give the points away to even worse teams than the Ducks. But I think that kind of wraps up the weekly rundown here. So we're going to finish it off with a, a new little bit here. Um, say something nice about blank. We're going to pick one of the bottom feeder teams every week or so and say something nice about them. So we're going to start this week with uh, the Chicago Blackhawks since they're hanging behind Max head there on a Taze jersey. Tyler, say something nice about the Chicago Blackhawks. I'll say Max Domi is playing like a first-line yeah. center. He, he's a first-line center right now. I think he has six points in his last four games. He's getting into it after the whistle. I, I like the way Max Domi's played, and I saw a report the other day that the Leafs offered him less. It would have been a cool storyline, obviously, if we went back to if we went to Toronto where his dad played. But Mac, I think for the time being, I, I thought he might be a deadline acquisition for a team. I don't know. I kind of like him as a Chicago Blackhawk right now. Yeah, he's kind of filling that presence of guys like Shaw and Carcillo back in the day mm -hmm. that they've had for the deep playoff runs. Um, obviously they're, I think they're in third place right now in the central. That's not going to stick. I don't think, uh, you never know. Uh, Richardson has been a great coach so far for those young guys and Kane and Taves have kind of started to find their groove as well. Um, Kane's doing his thing, eight points, seven games. And I'll, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, that is, that's something nice. And, uh, my something nice would be that the Chicago Blackhawks fleeced the Tampa Bay lightning last year for Brandon Hagel. I mean, mm -hmm. I do not get that deal still. They went back to the cup finals. I'm sure Hagel's been a great fit. He's a good piece for Tampa. But that deal, fellas, I was looking at Chicago's picks the other day there, and they have two firsts the next two years from Tampa. And they got, what was it, Kachuk and Radish? Like, those were two prospects for Tampa. So, I mean, hey, Chicago, you fleeced one of the best trading teams. That's, all, that's about all I can say nicely about you guys right now. And, and Alex Stalock's playing some pretty good hockey. Mrazek's on the IR. We're not all shocked. And Stalock's yeah. actually, like, he he's like Mrazek, right? He's, like, everywhere in net, but it, it's kind of working right now, and hence why they're in third place in the uh, the Central. 
Let's uh, let's head into the final segment of the show here with people forget. Mac, why don't you kick us off this week? What's your people forget? How far back are we going? We're going back to 1968 and 1971 for mine. People forget. Uh, people forget that uh, the Penguins actually had a live penguin as a mascot back then. And I think the, the arena staff may have actually caused his death uh, later on in that season uh, because they kept the, they kept his living quarters a little bit too warm. Uh, but yeah, Pittsburgh Pete goes down as one of the best mascots of all time in NHL, I think, as a, as a live penguin. And uh, yeah, that's my people forget. I think I think my new favorite part about people forget is the comment about every week's people forget. Uh, people didn't know because they weren't born. <laughs> every one of Max <laughs> people forgets has been before people were born. So that's a good new bit there. Ty, what do you got? Yeah, Nick, actually, I don't know if you were born when this player was drafted. Let's go back to 2004. Um, Justin Bogey <laughs> was drafted by the Toronto Maple Leafs. And man, in 2006, we thought this guy was going to be like the next Patrick Waugh in the National Hockey League. He had an unbelievable tournament for the Canadian World Juniors team, leading them to a gold medal. But people forget he's still playing professional hockey at 36 years old. He's been in Italy. He's been in Sweden. He's been in Russia. He is still playing in Germany. He played seven NHL games for the Maple Leafs, guys. He has one NHL win. And I had to break out the Justin Pogge wow. bobblehead from his Toronto Marlies days. I don't know where <laughs> I got this. I was a kid probably when he was playing for the Marlies. But uh, who would have thought Justin Pogge is still playing professional hockey overseas? At least might have to bring him back by the end of the season. Seriously. The injuries. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, might be the only guy that'll do it. Might be the only guy that'll do it. Uh, I'm going to ask my people forget in the way of a question. Tyler, do you remember what Adam Fox was traded to the New York Rangers for? Was it a late pick? Sort of. Sort of middles there. Mac? All right. I don't know. I don't know. Two second rounders. Two second rounders. Okay. Two second rounders. I feel like I always see on Twitter that uh, the Avs fleece Lamorello for getting Devontae's for two second rounders. Adam Fox won a Norris, and he was traded for two second rounders a year and a half prior. I know it's the college stuff. He was sent from Calgary to Carolina in that big Dougie Hamilton, Noah Hannafin swap, and then he wasn't going to play for Carolina either. So he had the power. They were never going to get full value. But a year and a half before winning the Norris, he was traded for two second rounders. That is a wild one in my eyes, fellas. He got what he wanted, right? He wanted to play for his childhood team, the New York Rangers. And man, that guy had all the power. As you said, he got what he wanted, and now he's a stud. Yeah, he sure did. And uh, he's had a great season, even though the Rangers haven't been quite uh, gung ho yet. Uh, that clip of him knocking McKinnon down in the D zone there, stealing the puck, going down, beautiful pass around his uh, his Norris competitor for the next decade, probably the the only guy to win it since him, Kale McCarr, uh, and then that beautiful goal they had. So Adam Fox, what a player, what a weird trade. Pittsburgh Pete, legendary Penguin. I can't believe they had to yeah. crank up they, the heat. What what they do to that little guy? That's, <laughs> that's awful. Come on. Come on. But, uh, fellas, that's going to wrap us up here for another episode of the Hockey Collective Show. Mac, any final thoughts this week? Hopefully the hopefully the Hawks keep it going and the Leafs can turn it around as uh, we're a couple of fans here. But uh, we'll leave it at that for those. Right, so Max now touched on the Avalanche, the Leafs, and the Hawks as his teams this episode. Tyler, anything to wrap us up? 
I just want to hope I hope Mac has a good Halloween with his uh, with his kid. That's uh, that's happening on Monday night. So we uh, we wish Mac and the uh, the child the best on their endeavors trick or treating out there uh, way up north, wherever you are, Mac. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Halloween. Hope everybody enjoys. I'm still uh, locked up in quarantine here, so I'm going to be pounding Kit Kats by myself instead of knocking nice. on doors. But Fellas, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Episode number six of the Hockey Collective show. Check us out on socials at Hockey Collective. Full podcast on YouTube. Shout out to Justin Pogge.